crucial day in the district on a Friday afternoon. If you're doing best balls, you play tight end premium, dynasty, or you're rearranging your redraft rankings. We've got tight end specialists, Andrew Cooper in the district. For a monster show, we're going to look at this freakishly awesome rookie tight end class. And we're going to touch on some free agent. Free agency opens up Monday, guys. Guys, it's Friday. You listening? You guys listening to this right now? We are not hearing it. I don't hear a single thing. You guys don't no, hear it? All right, let's get to the intro. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Happy Friday, Fantasyland. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday afternoon. That's the beauty of live TV, right, guys? We try stuff. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Tried to get it all hyped for today's show, our midday show. But like I said, guys, this is a crucial show. We've got free agency opening up on Monday. You want to have your finger on the pulse. There's a million ways we can go. But today we're going to focus in on tight ends. We have Andrew Cooper, tight end special. You know him from Fantasy Alarm, Coop A Fiasco on Twitter. Andrew, welcome back to the district, brother. Always a blast to have you. Always a good time to uh, hang out with you guys. And I could tell whatever you were playing over there, it was good stuff because I could see you vibing. So I, I'm picking up I'm picking up the vibes as is, man. It, it's always good to come on. Uh, I mean, this is perfect for me because it's three guys I like and the position I like best. And bonus, I always like to talk to there's people within the tight end specific niche community that I like to talk to. And I think you got a guy, Dan Williamson, over there on your show. That is, uh, he's a tight end whisperer. He's part of the tight end whisperer brotherhood, I would say. So uh, it's always good to get in here and chat with you fellas. And, and that's exactly it. I know Theo's pumped. We got we got two tight end specialists on the show because we know Dan is the tight end whisperer, uh, especially in those deep best balls. Theo, how pumped are you for today's show, buddy? Yeah, I didn't want to disrespect I, Theo I love, either. I love, so. I, love, I, love, I love tight ends, I, but I'm not maybe not, not quite as enthusiastic as the tight end whisperer. Just not as tight, yo. Just not as tight. That's He's all. tight as well. He's tight as well. I mean, all I, you guys. I, I, I run into this I, a lot I, I, with with being a tight end guy. Is that like people come to me and they're like, "I know you're a tight end guy, but can I ask you about this running back?" I'm just like, you know that like there are no leagues that are just tight ends, right? Like you understand that every single league I do has every position. So yes, you can ask me about any position. 
So, um, yeah. Andrew, when you see another tight end guy, like you walk by and you're like in the mall and you see a guy and you're like, that's a tight end dude. Do you like give him yeah. like a, like a, like a head nod? Give him a what you, up? you give him a dap or what? Oh what yeah, of course. Well, first, yeah. first we flash the secret, the secret yeah. gang sign. Yeah. And then we do the secret. Yes. So I think that's what it is. Dan and I got to teach you. This the secret the secret handshake and then you'll be in the brotherhood. Right? Is, that, is that like an up high and then like tap tap on the back? Oh, the we can't tell we, you. We, we, we can't tell you, JD. Yeah. We can, I can't. I can't tell you until I see your rank. I need. I need last five years of receipts on Twitter. Twitter. And, and uh, tight end though, guys, check out Andrew right now. He's got. I know you've got like a serious thread of articles, and you're touching all the positions. On are you doing all the NFL teams right now? Every single team. So there's only like two left. I'm going to hit them this weekend. And then I'm going to hit every free agent. So we did. I, what I did is I took every single team, uh, went through all the roster, depth chart, contracts, uh, draft picks, salary cap. And I said, hey, for your dynasty leagues, um, Monday, May 13th, which is this Monday, not May 13th, Monday, March 13th, this Monday, the legal tampering period opens and contracts drop immediately. And some of your players are going to get vaporized the moment these contracts are dropped. Like it's a reality. So I go through and I say, Hey, here's who's safe. Here's who you might want to trade now and avoid yourself that pain. And here are some guys that you could go out and grab that could get some landing spots. So that's what we're trying to do. Stay ahead of it. Everyone wants to get into the combine and all these guys and pretend like the NFL draft is next week, but the NFL draft actually is in like two months, right? So let's focus on things one at a time on this show. What's beautiful is we're going to talk about all of it, but uh, that's what the, the series is trying to do is trying to say, Hey, you know what? Jamar Chase, T Higgins, those two guys are very safe. Nothing's going to happen there. Gabriel Davis, what happens if they do add a wide receiver, right? Could get smoked. So that's what the series is all about. Check that out. Now, every single team is up there. Got nothing to do this weekend. You could hit every team and be ready for Monday, baby. It, it, it is a fantastic series. Gotta say, um, you know, this this is something that I've always done every year. You know, not not to the extent that Andrew is doing it, not actually like you know writing this down for everybody else. But I, I think it's phenomenal what you're doing there because that's exactly how you want to go into free agency. You want to look at every team, every position, who's likely to be cut, whose job is safe, who you know what what teams are going to be looking to uh, be active at what positions in in free agency the whole the whole nine yards and you've got it all laid out right there it's all for free it's not behind a paywall or anything so phenomenal job on that andrew what's funny about that dan is i I did the same thing i used to go through and do this in my spare time and just i finally this year went to the editor and was like hey i'm already doing this why don't we just make it into articles right like I'm, i'm going through every single team trying to figure out and that what i was doing is just like going through all the teams and then sending a tweet, like one tweet. And I'm just like, wait a second, why am I doing all this? Why don't we just put them up? So they're all up now. Yeah. So I did the exact same thing you do. I'm just now just kind of throwing them out there. So it's a way to go. Not only that, you made my vacation a lot easier because I can just sit back and read yours instead of having to do it myself. So I, that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite. Don't adjust your, your TVs guys. That's Dan Dan is fresh off a beach session uh, in in San Martin. That's, that's a beautiful color. So Dan, we're glad to have you back, brother. Thank you. Yes. I go, I I go from uh, pasty white to bright red and any shade in between, but uh, (laughs) usually, usually not anything in the real tan area though. Yeah, Andrew, I think that's a great, great point about how the free agency is something that can just evaporate values of players. I think that especially from a dynasty lens this time of year, we think about the NFL draft being like that that three day period that you you could just could destroy your guys. Michael Carter types, um, you know, James Robinson types. But free agency is very, very sneaky, especially this year. There's uh, there's a lot of names out there, a lot of backfields undecided. It's definitely a, a shaky ground for a lot of players. 
Oh, yeah, even, I, best, even best ball, right, guys? You got to tiptoe in the, in those mm-hmm. in those rounds, and you got to watch the landmines, and that's that's what this is all about, right? One hundred percent, absolutely. It's like you, we're all we care about in this world to a certain degree is targets, and I don't care how I don't care how how you rank them. You throw a Juju Smith Schuster or a Jacoby Myers into an offense, and that's just dropping a sponge on on a huge chunk of those targets. Nobody's paying those guys to throw those guys forty targets, so you got to keep an eye on that. Speaking of targets, guys, let's jump to it. We only have 60 with Andrew today. We want to make sure we squeeze as much as we can. 93 targets last year. Evan Ingram in Jacksonville finishes a tight end seven points per game. 73 receptions, 766 yards, four touchdowns. Top five at the position in yak targets, receptions, and receiving yards. In the 125 FFPC, never too early BBT, which I know we're all drafting in right now. He's going round seven tight end eight andrew what are your expectations for the tight end in jacksonville in his second season with t law and do you like him as it as his current uh, at his current adp yeah i mean as you guys know that's been my baby that's been our baby you know yes. dan theo we've been on him we've been on him and it turns out you know that when you really take a step back and look at it top five tight end with eli manning and eh, with daniel jones top five tight end with trevor lawrence Sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, the guy is an athletic freak. But as crazy as this is going to sound to anybody that's familiar with my work, I might be fading him a bit this this year. And it's simply what I just said. Calvin Ridley sounds like he's ready. If you read his Player Tribune article, this doesn't sound like a guy who's just like trying to catch one more payday. Like he sounds like he's ready to come back. And if you throw him in there with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and now Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne, that's a lot of folks going on there. And the problem isn't necessarily the end of season numbers, but the consistency. That's the problem we run into. You look at Tyler Higby at tight end, what was it, like 10 and six or seven at the end of the year? Crazy that the tight end six was virtually unstartable in fantasy football because of the ones and the zeros, right? Like at the beginning of the season, he was fine, but like you you really need that consistency. So for me, I don't mind the ADP in best ball where you're drafting multiple tight ends, but if I'm going to take him in a redraft league, He's going to end up in the uh, the yin column of my yin-yang tight end series where I, I pair one safe guy with one upside guy with all those mouths to feed over there. Sorry for the cliche. He's moving from the upside column to the safe column. So if I'm drafting Ingram, I'm still going to take a shot on somebody else later, one of these young upside guys that we can get into later in the show. I don't know how you guys feel. Obviously, how you feel about him in best ball versus dynasty versus redraft, you could have different feelings, right? I think for me, it's it's kind of that range of of the of the draft where it's almost like the tight end dead zone, where those those guys that usually you see a lot of guys kind of fail from tight end six, seven, eight, nine historically. Um, you know, over the years, those are the guys that kind of maybe get pulled up kind of artificially. You know, somebody takes a Kelsey, somebody takes a Kittle, somebody takes a Hawkinson, uh, somebody takes a Mandrews, and then. Engren, Engrams maybe he's going two rounds early. Dan, would you kind of kind of agree with that, that he's kind of getting pushed up to a, a tier that's going to be hard for him to, to, to beat in terms of his output? Yeah, I think it'll be hard for him to beat. I don't think it'll be quite as difficult for him to meet. Um, mm. You know, so I... I'm right there with Andrew. I think we got, uh, we've got a guy who's going to be, you know, fairly safe. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley coming in definitely nukes the upside that was there. Um, but you know, Doug Peterson has always had an offense that has featured a tight end who can move like Ingram. 
you know, as a as one of the you know mainstay pieces in there. That's not to say that he's going to get you know 130 targets or anything like that. But we want to, you know, I don't think his targets are going to take as big of a, a hit as they might have maybe in somebody else's offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one hundred. Yeah, you know, I say one hundred that it's it's a matter of he's getting pushed up closer to the guys that lead their team in targets. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, those guys lead their team in targets, or at the very least, are going to be top two. Whereas now it's getting harder to make that that argument right. for Engram. But at the same time, you're right that he is going to be safe enough that if I draft him, I'm starting him week one. But I'm right. not just going to set it and forget it like I do with Andrews or Kelsey. I'm going to be keeping my ear to the street, seeing who the hot pickup is, and and trying to uh, find that guy who has top five upside. But not to, I would never straight up say that I don't think the guy can perform because, like you said, Doug Peterson loves guys like that. Right. And really all it takes is one injury along the way, too. I mean, you know, something right. happens to Kirk or something happens to Ridley or something like that. I mean, you know, then he's right back in it. So, uh, you know, there, there, there is there is some potential upside. You know, you can say that about any tight end, but he's he's the guy who can really capitalize on it if it happens. Mm-hmm. You muted, Jetty. Me. See, and I was thinking you guys are rude just talking over me every time. We are rude, but that time, yes. that time we, we weren't. <laughs> not, not used to these morning shows, right? Um, yeah. No, I, I love how he, how Andrew described the roster construction aspect with the, with the different uh, tight ends and, and classifying, tiering them, and how you moved it around. I was specifically uh, approaching Ingram. Sometimes I'll take a leap of faith, and he's one guy that I was drafting as if he was going back to Jacksonville. I didn't see a reason why he wouldn't be back there. Um, so love how you're again, spoken as a true baller, right? A true best baller, uh, roster construction. We love it. Let's go over to Miami and Dallas guys. You got Mike Gusecki on one end talking about yin and yang, who has a bit, has a bit of a down year in Miami, only 32 receptions, 362 yards, finishes the tight end 29 going off the board in round 12 in the FFPC, number two early 125 as tight end 18. On the other side, you've got Dalton Schultz and Dallas coming off of a really nice season very narrow target tree and he was a big part of that top 10 at the position in fantasy points per game being targeted 89 times giving us 57 for 577 and five from Dak and he's going off the board four rounds earlier as tight end 10. so how are you approaching Andrew I'll go to you first both of these tight ends with the uncertainty uh with regards to the team that they're going to end up with and where would you like them to land yeah, so I'll hit Dalton Schultz first because he's the easier one. And to me, he's a sell in Dynasty specifically because I think he's already at the best landing spot he's going to get, right? Like, so you're looking at this asset and it's either going to stay the same if he stays or it's going to go down. I don't see many landing spots that are better for this player. To me, if I if there were an Austin Hooper award, I would give it to Dalton Schultz, the guy that is most likely to go from a great situation to potentially one where he maybe is overpaid and now he's not in the mix for a top two target on the team. Austin Hooper had a monster season on the Falcons in a year where they threw 50 more passes than any other team. Then he gets overpaid by the Browns, ends up uh, being not that good. And uh, the crazy part about giving him the Austin Hooper award is that if you go on uh, player profiler who Theo now doing a lot of work with. Congratulations on that, my dude. Uh, his best comparable player on player profiler, Dalton Schultz's. Who do you think it is? Let me think. It's it's going to be somebody not too good, but 
It's it's Austin Hooper. It's it's the exact guy that I'm talking about. Dan made the same comparison weeks back with the Colts. It scares me. Yeah, yeah. It scares me. So. Yeah, so I'm not really taking him at ADP uh, right now. Now, on the flip side, you have Mike Kosecki, who uh, he's like the perfect example of why scheme matters so much, why the offensive coordinator matters so much in that you look at his time with Mike with Adam Gase. Adam Gase had him staying in to block on 18% of his pass plays. One of every five pass plays, he had this basketball player, volleyball star, 4-5-40 guy putting his hand in the dirt and blocking on the pass plays. It was a nightmare situation. He leaves and Brian Flores brings in Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey takes him. Uh, Chan Gailey coached the Bills, the Jets, the Chiefs. With the Chiefs, he had Tony Gonzalez in the slot, running the second most slot routes of any player besides Heinz Ward. Uh, with the Jets, instead of a tight end, he used Eric Decker in that role. So he puts Mike Gusecki in that role, blocks on 2% of pass plays. He's a top 5-6 tight end in fantasy football. Very next year, Mike McDaniel comes in. Decides he wants a two-way tight end. Uses Durham Smythe instead at the tight end position. It week year to year to year with this guy completely changes. But here's the thing: this is the first time he gets to be a true uh, unrestricted free agent. Wherever he goes, we have to imagine that he's not going to sign anywhere. After what just happened, I can't imagine he goes somewhere that says we're just going to use you as an inline tight end. He's going to go somewhere that's going to play to his skill set. So wherever he goes, I like to imagine that he's going to go back to doing what he did with Chan Gailey. So I'm actually very much in on Mike Gusecki with this notion that he finally gets a chance to pick a spot that's right for him. Now, I don't know how you you guys feel about that, but I'd rather take an upside on that with Mike Gusecki than go for a guy that was pretty volume dependent on Dalton Schultz. And and Schultz is going way before Gusecki, so it's not even that hard a decision for me. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Absolutely. I 100% Andrew's Andrew's got it just – he's just smashing it right there. Because um, Gusecki, I mean, basically, you can look at him, and, and it's almost looking looking at uh, Ingram last year. You know, yes. he's he's he gets to pick his spot. You know, Ingram was able to pick a spot. You know, with Doug Peterson as his coach, where he knows the tight end's gonna you know always have a role, and he's gonna be kind of the slot receiver. Uh, you know, that's what we want to see. We want to see Gusecki going somewhere that really has a hole in the slot receiver spot. Uh, you know, and that can be him. And as far as Dalton Schultz, yeah, I mean, you know, basically his his best skill so far has been that um, he's not um, Zeke Elliott, he's not Tony Pollard, he's not uh, CeeDee Lamb. And so teams are more like, well, you know, if Dalton Schultz beats us, he beats us. And so Dak just keeps checking it down to him. But, uh, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of skill there. So uh, love Gusecki. I'm, I'm getting him all over the place in best ball looking to buy him in Dynasty. I mean, you know, this is this is the time that you want to get a hold of Gusecki right now before his value jumps. Yeah, you can you could trade Dalton Schultz for Gusecki in a second in a lot of FFPC mm-hmm. leagues right now. Um, I'm trying to get out. I've gotten out of pretty much all my Dalton Schultz exposure. If he signs with somebody and beats me, then then so be it. I've I've been anti-Dalton Schultz for years in the GOAT district. I, I, I think he's a pedestrian talent. I think Dak made him. I mean, if you just put Mike Gusecki in the Dalton Schultz role in Dallas next year, I mean, it would be like wheels up. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm completely with you. Jaseki, I do think that like in, in FFPC and even an underdog, you're not like able to get him super cheap. He's tight end 20 in underdog right now. So like I think people are kind of waiting on Jaseki, but there's a chance he could land, you know, Los Angeles Chargers make a lot of sense. I think that's a spot that, that we're projecting to, uh, them to 
use either a draft pick or a free agent spot on on a tight end. Um, you know, put him in that Gerald Everett role. I think Jacecki would look look very good over there. Uh, but there's a lot of offenses you could project Jacecki into having a nice a nice like late career uh, you know bump. It just like Ingram, it's a fantastic comparison. Guys, this game is pretty simple sometimes, right? One is one you're selling at at the top of his value most likely. There's probably not a lot of chance of him increasing in value and Gasecki with the talent, uh, some nice possible landing spot. I like that thought of of Dallas. Shout out to Jojo in the in the chat. We haven't we haven't seen her in a couple, but we're we're happy to have her. She's actually beating me to to my next question. One of my favorites uh, in the early best ball uh, draft season that we've uh, that we've all been partake, partaking in. Jake the Snake Ferguson. We're talking about Schultz leaving Dallas. I love what this kid showed in, in limited action last year. Assuming Schultz is, is not back in Dallas, he's going in tight end preems right now in the FFPC round 16 plus. As a rookie, he gave us two top 15 weeks, two touchdowns. Andrew, is Ferguson a guy that you're messing with right now? Is he a value? Are you trying to get shares before or are you waiting you know, for clarity before you, you jump in the waters? Yeah. First, I just want to say, like, this is part of the reason I love coming on this show because you guys are very serious fantasy gamers. There's no question. There's some shows that are fluff. This is this is serious stuff over here. And you guys have serious fans that come in, that hang out, like JoJo, Toronto Dave, nineteen twelve, like hey, Snowman. These are the guys I see. Famous Jay. I see these guys every time when I because I pop in and hang out in the chat too sometimes. So uh, always good to see the people in. Uh, Supporting the show and a great question here. Now with Chig, we can talk about him later. I'm a big Chig fan, one of the biggest. Uh, with Jake Ferguson, I, I have one concern with him, which is uh, sometimes being the best tight end on the depth chart isn't all that matters, right? With the biggest example is Dallas Goddard was clearly the best blocker and to a certain point became the best pass catcher, but Zach Ertz was still hanging around and. Zach Ertz being worse at blocking actually helped him in that they put Ertz in the slot and he was getting the better role for fantasy. We saw it with John O. Smith where like Anthony Ferkser just played just enough slot with the Titans to, to be annoying for him, right? So with Jake Ferguson, when you look at the two games that Dalton Schultz missed, in those games, they used Ferguson as the inline tight end and brought in Peyton Hendershot, the undrafted guy, to play a bit of that slot role. And Hendershot actually ended up running just as many routes during the during those games right and when you look at the usage like Hendershot was the guy that had to block on 20 percent of his pass plays like we talked about with Kaseki uh sorry Ferguson was the guy that blocked on that much and and Hendershot was the guy that got to come in and play that kind of that kind of role so I am a little worried there are times obviously where uh, you know Ferguson just becomes the full-time starting tight end in every situation and then he's the better option but I worry that that the presence of a player like that is just enough to to hurt him. So it really is, we can't be definitive on this because we had the same situation with Schultz versus Blake Jarwin before, and then Jarwin just went away, right? So like Ferguson is in the better spot to start, but I worry that this other player is going to play just enough of this weird pass-catching type role to be annoying. Um, So it's something to keep in mind, but... Uh, there is absolutely an opportunity there if they don't bring somebody else. And in. that could just be a, a, a rookie tight end, right? Coming into a difficult position uh, on a Dallas offense, just maybe learning the outside aspect of his game and then plugging that hole uh, with the undrafted. But love the the insight, Theo. Where are you on the the Dallas tight ends? You know my love for Jake the Snake, man. Come on. Yeah, Jake Ferguson is is a guy that um, you know I, I drafted a lot of in best ball. I'm happy that I have that, but when the 
when Schultz is gone, I don't want to pay the, the premium for Jake Ferguson. I don't want to treat him as a starter until post-NFL draft and free agency. Um, there's just so many guys. Like, we bring up the, the free agent, the, the rookie class. If Dallas spends significant draft capital on one of these appealing tight ends, that would worry me a lot uh, for Jake Ferguson. Even though, you know, it's a difficult position to learn in the NFL, Dak Prescott kind of makes these tight ends. So you tell me, you know, and we'll, we're going to get Coop's uh, opinion on some of these rookie tight ends a little later in the show. But, you know, if you put a, a Dalton Kincaid or a Michael Mayer into the, the Dalton Schultz role, those guys for me are, are those guys are, are going to be able to produce. So I'm worried about uh, worried about Jake Ferguson just if the market kind of overcorrects his ADP. Dan? Yeah, so I, I, I think uh, A, Ferguson is right now, he's fine. You know, you're going out there getting him at this price where he's uh, going in round 16 plus in, in tight end premium. You know, I'm totally okay with that. Take your shot there. I mean, you know, you're taking a shot on anybody at that point. Um, I'm afraid the price is about to go up because if Schultz moves on, everybody's going to want to move him, um, Ferguson up. And I see a lot of potential uh, roadblocks to him getting the role we want him to have. One of them is, is Jerry Jones is just, he's clearly wanting to make a big splash in free agency. Uh, you know, and when, when he says he wants to do that, you kind of have to take him at his word on it. Uh, secondly, you know, we have Mike McCarthy saying we're going to be much more of a running team. And um, again, you know, when the head coach says that, you kind of have to take him a little bit at his word. Uh, you know, I don't think things are terrible for Dak or CeeDee Lamb or anything like that. But for, you know, an ancillary piece like Ferguson, as he is right now, you know, if he's facing potentially, you know, they could draft a tight end. They could sign a big free agent wide receiver. They could uh, draft, a, you know, one of the highly sought wide receivers in, the, in this rookie class. Uh, you know, they could be using a lot more running plays and just de-emphasizing the number of times that they throw to the tight end. So a lot of things could be going on there. So, you know, at, at his ADP, he's fine right now. But if he jumps up too much, I'm going to be off him. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly how I'm treating Ferguson right now. There are certain guys that are in spots like his that have enough value that you can trade them away and we don't like them. Like Chuba Hubbard, for instance. Like, I'm trying to move him while he's at the top of the depth chart, right? But Ferguson... Why, why, why are you hating on the Canadian, man? Why? <laughs> you know, Canadian I, bias, obviously. Shout out, shout out Chase Claypool. Shout out Toronto Dave in the chat, dude. I would never. Uh, you know I'd never, bro. <laughs> a, we got an alliance, dude. All North America, dude. Chat out. Uh, but so... Um, but. Like it's and I, uh, Linda, a friend of the show, also would kill me for saying that because he's an Oklahoma State guy too. But it's just we've seen it, you know, and we don't. And he's got value. He's got trade value. Uh, Ferguson is a guy who I think his potential value outweighs his trade value. So for me, he lives in, in the part of the, my dynasty depth chart uh, roster that I call the danger zone, where I just keep a handful of guys that. I'm going to drop if something happens in free agency, if something happens in the draft. And when I go to make my rookie picks, I'm selecting from that pool of players. But I love to hang on to them just to see. Like if he runs through the gauntlet and, you know, dives under the lasers and jumps over the landmines and we get all the way through through all of this to August and he's sitting on top of the depth chart with Dak Prescott. I mean, you just got oh, yeah. you just got a freebie, you know, so you have to hold him through this landmine part of the season. And then if you get there, then now you say, okay, well, I'm going to keep Ferguson. I'm going to cut this other guy for, to make my rookie picks. Or I'm going to trade away my rookie picks because I like – I'll trade away my third-round pick or whatever for next year's third-round pick so I can keep Ferguson and see what happens. Like that's where he lives to me where I'm adding him off waivers and, and holding him, but I'm also willing to drop him at the, the drop of a hat with news. 
So one of my other favorite, uh, we're going to do one more tight end specific question. We're going to, we're going to get uh, Andrew's takes kind of a more macro on uh, what he's excited about with uh, free agency, free agency coming up. And then we're going to hit these, uh, these freakishly awesome rookie tight ends, as I love to call them. This man on the screen, Trey McBride, out there in Arizona. I'm not a big rookie tight end guy normally. This year they got me excited for some reason. But Trey McBride's a guy that just he, – he, he looked good last year as a rookie. He got the opportunity with Ertz getting hurt. He's another guy with that kind of next-in-line opportunity. What do you see his outcome this season? Is he in danger with, you know, what's Ertz's situation? How do you see Trey McBride's value right now in fantasy, in best ball, how do you see a season next year? Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys and your audience a little exclusive sneak peek at an article that's coming out this season. Does that sound good? Love it. It's uh, yes. the article, the new, so I finally kind of put my system uh, for Dynasty into a short acronym, and that is SORT. And it's a very simple system for using tight ends. Uh, it's start opportunity roster talent we all kind of do it but a tight end it's so important we talked about how that window can open or close on whether he's a top two target on the team and then now they're rebuilding so he he becomes the top target or you know what i mean but so basically the idea is you want to load as many guys you actually believe in onto your roster right like guys that you truly believe in the talent which based on this conversation Dalton Schultz is not one of those guys. So we get him out, right? You, you you throw him out. Jake Ferguson, we kind of do like the talent, right? So you keep him on your roster, and then you wait for that window to open. So you the biggest examples are guys like Dallas Goddard, right? We had to wait for the window to open for him to have upside. Delaney Walker, we had to wait for seven years. For some reason, he, he was drafted the same year as Vernon, Vernon Davis, signed an extension, so stayed behind Vernon Davis for until he was 30 years old. When he was 30 years old, he left, went to the Titans, had three top five seasons in a row, multiple thousand yard seasons. Like sometimes you have to wait if you believe in the talent. So Trey McBride is the exact kind of guy that I've already seen enough from him in the NFL to say that I like him and that I want him on my team. And now we just wait for the window. That could be this year if Zach Ertz uh, comes out slow. Uh, if you don't, if you have him on your team, you want uh, Zach Ertz to come out slow and you want to see the... Uh, you know, him actually be a viable tight end. If you don't have him, you want Ertz back. You want Ertz to come back so that you can go to the guy who has McBride and say, you know what, this McBride guy, he's not even going to play. Why, why don't you send him over to me and I'll I'll wait out Zach Ertz, right? But when that window does open, Trey McBride is going to be a startable tight end in this league. And then the full window for him to have top five upside happens when he's a top two target on the team. With all this smoke about DeAndre Hopkins being traded, I mean, he could start this year as a top two target on the team. That's the crazy thing where you got to try and get him now in case that happens. Because like the moment he could come out and it's Rondell Moore and Trey McBride and Hopkins is gone and uh, Ertz is on the uh, Ertz is on the pup list, the uh, the window to get McBride onto your team is closed. Famous Jay with the with the hot hot take. I, I find that Arizona offense as a whole right now is nice value, especially in best ball drafts. Dan, as the contract guy of the channel is, is Ertz for sure coming back next year uh, off of this injury or is there an, an option for them to, to move? He's not particularly cuttable this year. Uh, okay. Next year. Yes. This year, not so much. I would think if he's going to leave the team, it's more likely to be in trade just because they're looking to, um, you know, allow the younger players a little bit more space like Trey McBride. 
you know, so I, I don't think it's at all beyond the realm of possibility that he gets traded off to somebody else because there are going to be teams who need some help at tight end and they look at a guy like Hertz and they're like, yeah, we can, we can use a guy like him. Um, you know, his contract is not uh, anything that's going to really scare anybody off. So yeah. what, do you, what do you think on that, uh, Andrew? I think I looked at it before. It's, it's got to be like a po- one of those post-June 1 designated yeah. trades, though, right? Because like, yeah. I think he does, he does have more dead cap than you can save by moving him. But if you do it as a the little uh, accounting tricks there, right, where you, uh, you designate him as a post-June 1, and I think you actually have to wait for the, for the trades. You actually have to wait until after that point. Uh, but if McBride shows out in training camp and – Ertz is healthy, then they can do that and uh, whatever, and basically save like, ah, now I forget what it is, but it's like something like sick. They can save like $10 million this year. They're moving money into next year, but by doing that, they can save a lot of money this year. So uh, the, the trade's on the table, but like you said, the cut, I think him being cut is, it, it wouldn't make, it doesn't even make any sense. Like it's more likely that he just doesn't, uh, as sad as it is, the, the more likely possibility if you're really rooting for McBride is Ertz just is going through his rehab and decides that it's you know he's just done you know which is also on the table after a serious knee injury at 31 years old right yeah and the other the other thing with Ertz is he could be traded in the season too you yes know, if they if they're really happy with how McBride's doing you know and somebody some team has opens up a, a need at tight end you know Ertz is a guy that you know Arizona would move him for a, probably just a late round pick and you know let him go Super playoff run type guy for somebody yeah. to pick up. I, I yeah. love McBride. I really hope that that he gets his opportunity. That was a a guy that that I really pounded the table for last draft class, last draft season in the Goat District. I have him on a lot of FFPC benches. A ton of exposure to him. You know, as a late second rounder, early third rounder, I was just cut, auto almost auto picking him, and I still really believe in in him. Uh, you know, we loved the profile. We loved the production last year. And yeah, he's got a path to uh, to a, a great deal of targets. He could be a really, really fun second year breakout this year. Guys, last question of the free agency segment. Andrew, I'll go, go to you first. Give me the guy you're most excited to see land well and a big name significant to fantasy that we could see be let go next week. Yeah, so as far as free agency goes, the uh, couple – like. Then we already talked about the number one is Mike Kosecki. He's got the profile that we want to see. Uh, and Evan Ingram already got tagged, which kind of um, kind of pulled the wind out of our sails for the free agent tight ends. What I'm actually – I'm more scared. I'm more scared of the landing spots. And uh, I want to see uh, – I, I, I honestly want some of these guys to go to places that will protect the rookie tight ends. Like that's the kind of guy I am. Like I want fun rookie classes. So I'm, I'm like sitting here, I'm like, okay, Austin Hooper, let's send him back to the Falcons, right? And have have him play that inline role for Arthur Smith so that Arthur Smith doesn't come out and draft a Darnell Washington or draft any of the guys we like, right? Like I'm, I'm more, on the free agency, I'm more of a defensive guy. There are a handful of guys that fit that pass catching, uh, that pass catching role that I am interested to see if anyone gives him another shot. Anthony Ferkser is a pass catcher. Dan Arnold's a pass catcher. There's a guy, a deep dive guy that I've been watching for a long time that has a very good athletic profile he's struggled with injuries he he's missed his opportunity a couple times because he's been hurt when the starter got hurt that's a guy named eli wolf you look up his uh his you 40 eli wolf in the district before this i know i got with the washington commanders before I'm, Andrew. you know you've yeah. been 
You've been wanting Eli Wolf breakout for a long time. I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to make it happen. And I figured this is the show. Well, the thing is, I don't get a chance to talk really deep tight ends with anybody else. Like, this is the show where I say Eli Wolf, and you just nodded your head, Theo. You're the only person. Like, you guys are the only people that actually are like, oh, yeah, Eli Wolf. Like, everybody else is like, who the hell is Eli Wolf? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? But this guy ran like a – he ran like a like a 4-4 at like 6-4, at like right? Like, this is the exact – and that's what Evan Ingram. That's why we like Evan Ingram, right? So um, he just hasn't caught on. At one point with the Ravens, he was on the team, and he got hurt when uh, Mark Andrews got COVID, and they elevated another player from the practice squad. I was like, that should have been us, you know? So Eli Wolf is the deep one there. Uh, and then as far as the big names that could get cut, you guys kind of alluded to it, uh, Gerald Everett, right? Uh, there were rumors on Gerald Everett and Keenan Allen they uh tom telesco came out and said keenan allen's not going anywhere and then they restructured keenan allen uh but he hasn't ever heard him say anything about gerald ever yet which is kind of uh kind of a red flag for him he could be released and that immediately becomes a pretty decent landing spot uh the other names are one of one of the seattle tight ends could get released will disley is getting paid more but his contract is a little harder to go to move on from no fant i mean i know they traded for him as part of the deal but his his entire uh because he was traded for, he has no dead cap tied to him. So if they want to just uh, if they want to cut one of those guys, they can. I, I would rather see them cut Disley than Fant, but those guys are on the table. I'm not sure if you any other ones that you guys saw out there that are that are kind of dicey, kind of up in the air. I think you kind of nailed it. I think Fant was kind of like a, a, the question mark name, um, but yeah, the the it seems like Gerald Everett kind of the, the writing is on the wall. Um, that's another guy where you could you could try to move him in FFPC uh, leagues right now and still get a, a slight return because he has produced when he's gotten the opportunity. He's almost like uh, that 3 and D NBA guy who plays on like 12 teams in his career and just keeps bouncing around. Like Gerald Everett's fine, but for whatever reason, he never gets like a, like a long-term look with the team. It's, it's very odd. But um, that Chargers landing spot is, is really, really uh, ideal, especially with, with, with uh, Kellen Moore taking over the offense. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, uh, and we'll. Are we going to get into landing spots later when we do the rookies? Yeah, let's let's wait on. Sure, that. If you want to throw out yeah. landing spots? Yeah, that's a that's a great segue. Um, we guys have- before Theo before before we do it, we just got to give a quick 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 shout out to our partners at the FFPC. They're the reason we we're able to live uh, stream for you guys live and put up this awesome content. And let's face it, guys, it's our playground. That's where we play all these games. We talk about whether it's best ball, uh, dynasty redraft tournaments you can play for up to a million bucks on the site myffpc.com we're going to have promo codes for you guys we're going to have links we're going to have all kinds of stuff for new users to get uh special sign up bonuses through our promo codes and our links so stay tuned for those i know i've got one guy that reached out to me i appreciate uh, you john being patient i'll get that out to you real soon so guys we're, we're we're talking about landing spots and we're talking about rookies deal I don't know about you, but I want to talk freakishly awesome tight ends right now. Yeah, so I this is like to me this is like a transformative class. I think we're gonna have like eight tight ends drafted. There's a possibility by like the end of like the early third, there's like eight off the board. Um, I think there's gonna be multiple tight ends going on day one, and I think there's gonna be uh, multiple tight ends going on day two. It's a really, really exciting group, and I think that the, the, it's the depth that really has the strength. So I really kind of want to throw out the guys' names, and then, Andrew, you you basically share what, how you, you feel about these guys, and then at the end of this process, I'd like for you to rank them. Um, the, mm-hmm. the first one is 
a guy we've talked about in the district for a few weeks now is, is Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end. Um, I'd say he's the the biggest name in this class, certainly. He's the highest ranked one for like the, the past year in terms of dynasty. 138 catches for the Irish. He broke out early as a freshman. He had 16 uh, touchdowns, excuse me, 138 catches the last two years. 16 touchdown catches the last two years. Runs a 4-7-40 in the combine, which was no, wasn't bad, but it wasn't like an exclamation point. Your thoughts on Mayer, Coop, and when you watch him. Yeah, and that's why this is we're a good pairing because you guys do get get deep. So, um, and Dan can speak to this. I am a bit of a rookie hater in general, right? And like across the board, I think the the hype gets a little crazy. And I I do I don't play Devi, so I do factor landing spot a lot, especially at this position. But yes. for you guys, since I love you. I'm coming in here, and we're going to talk and pretend like we don't know anything about landing spot, right? And then we'll we'll talk about it later. Uh, with this particular player, like he's as safe as it gets, right? He's like a dream for uh, if you're an NFL scout and your your neck is on the chopping block, and you want to make a pick that doesn't miss no matter what. This is the guy because he's so so well rounded, right? Like the worst case scenario is he's a very good blocker, right? Uh, and he can he can like he's he can he can do it all. The one thing for me that kind of could prevent him from being my top tight end is the speed. I wanted to see just a little more speed. I wanted to see a four six five. I wanted to see a four six nine. You know what I mean? Just add, put a six in there somewhere. You know what I mean? The four seven. Uh, the problem you run into with that is that there's a correlation between speed and yak. You look at guys like there's a reason that. A guy like uh, George Kittle has five plays that are over 60 yards. And he's the only guy that, only tight end that has multiple 70 plus yard plays. And he leads all tight ends over the last five, six years in 40 plus yard plays. It's basically only him and Kelsey at a double digit. And it's because of his speed, that four, five speed. When you have guys that are in like the four, seven range, and I know Zach Ertz ran like a four, seven, four, so he's a little bit slower. But like, uh, look at Zach Ertz. He was getting peppered with targets his whole career. But he only has one 1,000-yard season. And in that season, he needed 150 targets. That little extra speed just helps you get that yak, helps boost those numbers. So I think that's going to hurt his ceiling. But we're kind of splitting hairs here. When it comes to prospects, in my opinion, the real question should be, is he going to be an actual starter in the NFL or not? Right, And then from there, you figure out the rest of it. With this guy, we know he's going to be a starter. It's a matter of upside. So if you want to just pick the safest possible player, this is the guy. But I think some of these other guys might have a little more upside. He, he Hunter, Henry Hunter Henry in this class. Hunter Henry, boom, perfect, perfect comp, right? Like the Hunter Henry is the exact guy that he can. You know, he's got the uh, he's he can win in he can win in man to man. So you know, he's a threat to score a touchdown at any given time. But because of his, he runs like a four seven four as well. That he needs if to really have high end upside, you need a hundred targets, right? Right. Exactly. I love that comp. Hunter Henry is much better comp than Ernst. I'm going to steal that. And I, I think that he. It's interesting you you bring up like the 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 in the four sixes, but Mark Andrews was a four six eight forty, Gronk was like right there. Hawkinson was a four seven. So like I'm I I think Dan kind of hit it with Henry. It could be like uh, Michael Mayer ends up somewhere in the top twenty picks. He'll get a, a quick start to his career. I think he could have many uh, wide receiver tight end one seasons without really offering us necessarily like top five tight end production. So it's still very useful player for us to have for our FFPC teams, but not necessarily as exciting. One guy who also didn't doesn't have a six next to his 40 time 
but in a good way is Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta ran a four five nine for the Iowa Hawkeyes. A little bit smaller than some of these other tight ends. He's about six three. He's bricked up, um, but like like a six three two fifty type, as opposed to some of these guys which are a little bit taller and a little bit heavier. He had 111 catches the last two years for Iowa, which sounds not impressive, but Iowa doesn't pass the ball. Uh, they he had 30 more receptions than anyone else on the team last year. He had 35 more than anyone on the team the season before. So he's been pretty much the show for the Hawkeyes. Your thoughts on Laporta, who's definitely a riser and who we expect will go in the top like 45 picks in the draft. Yeah, this uh, this guy, this is the one, right? Like this is our guy. Are, are you guys in? Are we in on oh, Laporta? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in, I'm in on a few, but I'm definitely yeah. in on Laporta. Yeah, but the, well, this is the one that's the most fun, is he not? Like after, especially with the combine, I was watching. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what we needed. Because I sit there at the combine and I ask myself, what do I need to see today to move these guys around? And I, some of the guys, I got more questions than answers from combine, but this guy looks great, right? And the uh, the knocks on him have been kind of the that he's. He's raw and he kind of struggles with the the ball skills and he just kind of runs what he's told to run. Uh, so he needs to. I would love to see him land somewhere with like a really good uh, tight end coach or even a starting tight end that's really good uh, and give him a little time to develop. But he's got the speed. He's crazy electric after the catch. And this guy broke like a ton of tackles. I was going through and looking at um, their kind of ability to break tackles. I think I was going through PFF. This guy broke like 30 tackles, which that's been the knock on Mike Kosecki is that Mike Kosecki is a guy that does not break tackles. He's got all the athleticism, but he goes right to the ground. If you could take Mike Kosecki and teach him to shed a couple tackles, that's how you get those plays where, you know, one safety covering Sam Laporta and he can break that one safety tackle. Now he's got the speed to take it the distance where a guy like Michael Mayer could be getting caught from behind. Not to not to say I have Laporta ahead of him. I'm just saying that depending where he lands, this guy could uh, easily be the next guy that plays the slot like every snap, and he's he's our guy. Like we we don't we want guys like Travis Kelsey plays the slot 60 percent of his snaps. Uh, there it is, right there. Boom! Oh, beautiful. Mm. Look at those look at those nice tall towers on the right 91st percentile speed. And Evan Ingram, so he this guy's 6'3", 245. Every Evan Ingram 6'3". Uh, he was 6'3", 242 when he was drafted, or 235 or so. So yeah, it's like, he was, he was in yeah, the 230. He was 230. That old. Yeah, right. So it's like these guys, if you really sit back and comp them to try and comp them to other tight ends, it doesn't work as well. Like Dalton Keene, that's a terrible comp. Like this, this guy could comp more to like a slightly slower, like Andre Johnson. If you look at like the size and speed yes. for some of these guys, so. Uh, that's what I think with Laporta. He's super exciting. Again, the problem is that he's not he's not huge. So he needs to have a full time slot role. Otherwise, he could end up being the next like Anthony Ferkser or Cameron Brait, where he goes out and he plays pass downs. He plays in the slot, but he's playing like forty percent of the snaps, and that's just not moving the needle. But uh, man, pumped about this guy, and uh, he he mo- he was the guy from the combine that I'm, that moved up the most for me, for sure. Dallas Dallas Clark. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, George Kittle, and and now uh, Sam Laporta. Dan, what are they? What are they? What are they doing with these uh, these tight ends at Iowa? They I'm just keep telling keep you, man, it's a it, 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 it's a program there. This is this is the program. It's like it's like Miami used to be, except just for tight ends now. 
Yeah, uh, that's and, and and occasionally maybe an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, they definitely got got their offensive linemen out there too. But um, yeah, and, and and the thing is, I mean, this is you know this is what Coop was talking about. You know, the this is the RT of sort roster the talent. You know, and he's not going to cost you that much. Uh, right. You know, more more than likely. You know, Laporta is probably going to be, you know, do you think he's going to, he could slip into day two uh, NFL draft? Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is that if this guy does, if this guy goes in the second or third round, he's going to fly up boards. He's going to oh, fly. Yeah. So yeah. I think that for us, it's like we want the draft capital, but it's not as, imp- like for me, a wide receiver, if they fall out of the top three rounds, they're dead to me. I'm sorry. That's just... Yep. Like the I'm a numbers guy, and we're talking like a five percent hit rate for every Amon Ross, St. Brown. There's a million guys that uh, there's a million A. Sanderses. You know what I mean? So we, we just forget about them right away. The he Hakeem Butlers, you know. But uh, I just it, at wide receiver, it's a problem. At tight end, it's not. I mean, George Kittle was a mm-hmm. fifth round pick. Uh, Mark Andrews wasn't even the first tight end drafted by the Ravens, right? Even though he was Fourth a second. Yeah, like it's like Kittle, Kittle. Uh, uh, Kelsey didn't go that high. Half half the elite tight ends in the league weren't even tight ends when they were drafted. Logan Thomas was a QB when he was drafted. Darren Waller was a wide receiver when he was drafted. So uh, you know, like I'm I'm not as worried about draft capital. I'd almost rather have him slide a little bit in the draft, stay off people's radars, and then just land in a perfect spot. Like go to the get drafted by the Texans and just be able to earn a slot role right away, right? It's just like Nico Collins and who over there, right? John Mechie at the flanker, but he could be a slot guy right away. Go to the Colts and they'll just say, okay, you know, Paris Campbell's gone. Why don't you go out there and and play big slot every play? Like that would be like that would be perfect for me. Third, third or fourth round to the right landing spot. We're gonna get him on every team. I think so. I think he's heading towards that second round, though, guys. I really do. I think I that as, as the, the yeah. train has left the station, and, and uh, I think teams, teams are going to get their tight ends, man. This is the draft, right? So teams yeah. that need tight ends, whether it's depth or, or starters, they're going to get it in this, and I think that's going to move them up, up the board. And well, also, they love it, the, it could move them down. The, teams love that two tight end set as well in the NFL. So like that's <laughs> one danger with with uh, like Coop brings up, like Laporta could be a second round pick. And land terribly on a team that just wants to run two tight end sets, you know, and have an inline guy and have Laporta as their move tight end, and he's more of a useful guy, occasionally spot starts fantasy guy than a than a weekly guy. So yeah, he's super duper exciting. You bring up George Kittle. George Kittle had only forty eight catches uh, in his college career, and I think that's kind of like a, a life lesson for me when when looking at these college prospects. So Darnell Washington is just different. The guy, you know, he's he's unbelievably athletic. He's 6'6", 265. He hits a 46440. But he I don't know if you saw the the video. I'm I'm sure you did watch the entire tight ends uh, at the combine, but they showed the sled comparison. <laughs> Do this Arnell Washington takes the sled Bro, this... and moves it like it's a like it's a like a like a like a bag of mulch from Home Depot. Uh, and, and Dan's going to, to, to go do something in his backyard. The other guys, like Michael Mayer, like, like Sam Laporta, like these very, very athletic, big, strong people are struggling to move that sled. And when you watch Darnell Washington versus the other guys, it's like it's like wash, watching Orlando Pace move move the sled. Um, I think that's been one of the knocks on him is, you know, he's been a, a lower production type guy. Is that here? 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Watch yeah, this, dude. Look at look at him struggling, huffing and puffing. Yeah. So that's Will Mallory who ran a four yeah, yeah. five five sub forty. This is yeah. Washington. Washington's moving that thing like he like like he's about to look over his shoulder and be like, "Where do you want me to put this, boss?" Like he could just pull it. Out. No, but yeah, yo, but that's what everybody looks like. Like Will Mallory actually did a good job on the sled. Like that's what you're. That look at look at Michael Mayer. This is the top he's prospect. Like, Watch him on the sled. Like that's what that's what it's supposed to look like. That's yeah. what that's supposed to look like. You're picking up a chair and like moving it for your girlfriend. Look at this, guy. this is what is that, dude? Yeah, freak. And that's so awesome. that that leads that leads into the problem here, which uh, I actually just we just recently on the morning show uh, for anyone. I might as well give a quick shout out to we do a show on Better Sports Network every morning in the front yard fantasy morning show seven to ten. Uh, just yesterday we had a um, a big time scout uh, Brandon Huffman on. Uh, he's like the lead national editor of two forty seven, um, and he's actually more of a high school to college scout. And I asked him, I went to Dar, I was like, you know what, Darnell Washington, man, this is when I say I, there was more questions from the combine than answers. This guy was that because. One time he comes out, moves the sled like it's a chair. Next time he comes out, looks clunky in a drill. Then he turns around, makes an insane one-handed catch. You guys see the catch? Yeah. What the hell was that, dude? Yeah. It looked like it looked it looked like those like cricket highlights where the dude is catching the little ball with one hand, just like bang. You know, like it was insane, dude. So um, I asked him. I was like, "What's the deal with this guy? How are you feeling?" And he he was like, "He's the highest upside, lowest floor guy for what you guys do." Because I was like, "Give us a little fancy context. I know you don't care about that." He goes, because here's the thing. He goes, I actually talked to this kid when he was 16, 17 years old. And there was a bunch of us scouts being like, hey, you know what? In the real world, I know you want to play tight end, but your meal ticket might be at offensive tackle. So, so at a certain point, you might have to ask yourself, do I want to be in the NFL as a offensive tackle? Or do I want to play, try and play tight end and maybe end up working at a car wash? Right. And this guy, uh, they said all he had to do was put on. 40 pounds. He's 360, six, seven, 364 pounds. All he had to do is put on like 40 pounds and now he's a left tackle, right? So that was a conversation that was had. He decided he wanted to be tight end, but that scares me that those conversations were had because now that's in the back of people's minds. Oh, we'll draft this guy and worst case scenario, now he's George Fant, who George Fant was drafted as a tight end by Seattle, used as a tight end by Seattle. Now he's an offensive tackle in the Jets system. Right. So you have to worry that this guy could end up being a blocking tight end. He could legitimately end up being an offensive tackle or a just a blocking tight end that comes in for jumbo sets. But on the flip side, with his size and athleticism, he could also end up being, I mean, geez, I mean, like uh, slow, slow Calvin Johnson. I, you yeah. know what I mean? Ky- slow Kyle Pitts. He's six seven. So Which it's, is way more fun than the other description. <laughs> so <laughs> much more fun, dude. That's why it's such a this guy is the super high risk, high reward guy. Like if you already have if you're looking at your roster and you have Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or or Mark Andrews and you want to draft a maybe a tight end of the future, this is the kind of guy you're like, whatever. If he sucks, I have Mark Andrews. If he's awesome, now I have two awesome tight ends, right? Yeah, I, I, I really, I, he's the kind of guy that I just wrote an article about my, my thoughts on the on the the prospects from a dynasty perspective post combine, and Washington's like a guy like I want to take shots on, because in the FFPC I'm not going to have to use like Michael Mayer for FFPC drafters unless he lands horribly, you're going to have to use your first round and your first round pick to get him. Uh, Washington's the kind of guy that is going to even if he's a top twenty pick in the NFL draft, which is absolutely a possibility. He's the kind of guy that we can get using our end of our second round or our third round pick in an FFPC draft. So Washington's interesting. I also think like 
I can I can talk I can talk down the the lack of production because he played alongside maybe arguably the best college tight end I've ever seen in Brock Bowers. So Bowers, you know, like I think kept right. the production down. So we'll we'll see. But if Green Bay, you know, calls Darnell Washington at 15 overall or one of these teams in like that top 25, wouldn't he be a Jerry Jones like slam dunk pick? I was gonna say Dallas. You know, I was gonna say Dallas. Right. There goes Jake the Snake. The flashiness, yeah. Now the thing is with Washington, he's the one that I think the draft is going to you move him up or down the farthest. Uh I can paint a real scary picture for you where a guy named uh Arthur Smith, evil tight end. Uh, him and e- him and Arthur him and uh Arthur Blank, evil evil Walt Disney over there with the Falcons, they come in and decide they want to run Arthur's two tight end set. And Kyle Pitts is gonna play wide receiver. So they bring in Darnell Washington to be in-line tight end and basically do what Hayden Hurst or or Austin Hooper might do. And now he's the, I mean, it it makes all the sense in the world. And it would be the most, imagine you're a nickel corner and they hand the ball off to Tyler Algier or whoever the running back is. And coming at you is a 6'6 Kyle Pitts and a 6'7 Darnell Washington and a 6'4 Drake London. Like, that would be a nightmare. I mean, it, it would be awesome, but at the same time, it would vaporize Darnell Washington. So I'm really interested in the landing spot for this particular player, right? I don't yeah, want anybody right. looking at him like a blocker. I want them looking at this guy like Jerry Jones looks at him, and he's like, yeah, you're going to be one of the – Jerry Jones wrapping his arm around him. You're going to be one of the boys. I, I you're going to be a star. Catch, anyone who saw that catch, going to be hard to, to, to just, you know, do the – you get rid of it, you know? Like, just, I know. just forget it. So it's it's there. Dan, do you have any thoughts on 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 a on a Darnell Washington, a lack of production guy, big time athlete? Um, how are you approaching him in, in comparison to the other guys? Yeah, so so like Coop said, I think landing spot is going to have a lot to do with it. I'm also looking at that draft capital because I, I I think if he goes, you know, in the first round, that really solidifies it. P- people are really looking at him as a tight end prospect. Um, you know, they they want him to to function more as a pass catcher. Whereas if he drops down into the second round, I think they might be looking at him more as, you know, this guy's more of a blocker, um, you know, and he might develop at some point, you know, kind of a la Drew Simple, uh, for for example, you know, with, uh, with uh, Cincinnati Sample was, you know, an- another big guy who, who could catch passes, but, um, you know, they, they ended up using him mostly as a blocker. So we'll, we'll see on that. I'll, I'll be very interested in uh, where he lands. Another athletic tight end um, with a lack of college production is Luke Musgrave, a guy that I'm I'm really into right now uh, from Oregon State. Runs a four six one forty four sport high uh, star in high school. He had like he he was like an amazing like uh, cross country skier, which apparently yes. is a thing in Oregon. Who knew they even skied in Oregon? But uh, they that that was he's dominated in multiple sports. Um, he had the fourth highest relative athletic score of any uh, any player at the combine, um, and he's got the size, he's got the speed, and I think he'll have the draft capital. Your thoughts on him? Yeah. So uh, this is another one where uh, I asked uh, Brandon Huffman if you haven't seen that interview, go over to the Front Yard Fantasy YouTube channel. After you've watched every single ounce of content on this channel, go over to that channel and watch the interview with him. And I asked him, I was like, if you're going to ask a tight end any question, anybody, uh, what's kind of just a generic question to ask? And he was like. Uh, my favorite one is what makes you do this? And he used Luke Musgrave as the example because 
Uh, you're kind of underselling it, saying he was just a skier. Like this guy was like legitimately could have been a professional, like, like Olympic level ski. Yes, yes, like an incredible skier. And then he basically he was like, "This is what I want to do," and he loved the answer that he got from the guy, right? Um, and like everything about this guy, if you were just gonna like chisel a tight end out of stone, it's pretty much perfect, right? Like he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the pedigree. The name Musgrave it sounds familiar to a lot of people. Because his uncle is Bill Musgrave, yeah. right? Who right currently yes, currently works for the Browns. So like this guy, everything about him is that. The problem is there's there's certain guys that they should be amazing, but they're missing that football, a little bit of the football instinct, like a little bit of the that it factor. That just like the reason that Anquan Bolden gets the ball and you don't. The reason that DeAndre Hopkins gets the ball and you don't. And I see a little bit of that when I watch this guy that he's a little bit stiff. And um, as I talked about, Mike Kosecki is a perfect example. Like he, you know, basketball star, volleyball star, uh, speed, everything else, but he can't break a tackle. This guy Musgrave in all of college, uh, I, I said Laporta broke th- broke th- uh, thirty tackles. How many tackles do you think this guy broke in college, in his whole career? Very few. Two. Six. Yeah. Two. Yeah. So he. I mean, he had hardly any production at all. Yep, exactly. He so he needs he needs that he needs to. De- I think he needs to develop the football. And I, sometimes people can't develop football sense, but everything is there for this guy if he can figure that out. But if you're out there looking at the guy, like Johnu Smith is probably another example of like, what is he missing? He has everything. What's he missing? And it's just the the inability to win in contested catch situations, create for himself in man to man situations. That's the knock that I've seen on Musgrave, but I still like him a lot. And I'd rather have a guy with his physical profile and his skill set and his speed and his pedigree than a guy who is just like Drew Sample. And he's just, you know, like I'd rather let's figure the we can figure the rest out. Like, like give me the give me the physical athlete and the draft capital, and then we'll figure the rest out later. And Dan, Dan, the, like the NFL lineage guys, that's that's appealing to you. Yeah, I mean it's appealing, but. It, you know, as Coop said, you know, you want you want to see that they have that instinct within them as well, because I mean, you know, that doesn't necessarily translate from, you know, generation to generation. Uh, you know, so it if he's got it, great, or if he can develop it, great. Uh, you know, and sometimes these guys who do a lot of different sports, they don't develop it quite as fast just because they've been so busy focusing on other things, and they don't, you know, they just haven't really put the time into it. But right. um, you know, so it, it's possible. He's one of those guys that I, you know, I like him, but I'm going to I'm gonna like Laporta at his price probably a lot more than I like Musgrave at his price. So uh, that's, that's just gonna, kind of my guess as we come out of the draft. Right. Yeah, and, and you were on the uh, on the on the screen that the, the best comparable on player profiler is Dawson Knox, which I think would be a nice uh, a nice outcome for him. I think that would be a. Uh, Kind of a decent com- comparison. Would you agree with that, Andrew? As a as a, a mid level comp for where he could end up. Exactly, exactly. And and Knox ended up in a in a spot where, I mean, he should have had a better season last year with you know only competing with like Gabe Davis and whoever. But they do have a top guy. But um, you know, a spot like a spot like Buffalo, an offense like that would be perfect for Musgrave. If you're talking about a guy that has trouble in contested catches and creating for himself. Well, the RPO, I mean, Dawson Knox half the time just needs to run his route and walk into the end zone, right? So if if he can find a situation where they're scheming up things like that for him, then he's going to be just fine. The The concerns I have are the teams that say, okay, go out there and play wide receiver 
in the red zone situations and beat your guy one-on-one and we'll get you the ball. Where that's where a guy like Hunter Henry thrives. Some of these guys, though, they just don't have that. They don't have that knack for it, right? One guy that we don't have any concerns on his ability to catch the football is Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. He was a 70-catch guy last year at Utah, 890 yards, receiving eight touchdown catches. Interesting story, transfers up, goes from San Diego University, not San Diego State, San Diego Jim Harbaugh uh, School, uh, up to Utah and just smashes. Um, I mean, he makes some really, really jaw-dropping catches on the sideline, more of a traditional move tight end. Unfortunately, we don't have his combine numbers. He's going to run and test at Utah's Pro Day on, on March 23rd. What are your thoughts on Kincaid? Um, what would be some numbers you'd like to see out of him? And 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 your, just your general thoughts without having that that extra info. Yeah, it's tough without the speed, man. I know you guys with your 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 new buddies over at Player Profiler, they don't like Pro Days. They don't like Pro Days, right? And you guys, was, you know, the Pro Days, you always get a nice little bump. Um, you can you can basically take a tenth of a second off of a lot of forty times depending on the school. I I love how I love how you guys do it. We're like if you go to Dawson Knox's profile on Player Profiler, he runs a four five nine pro day. So in the system, they list him as a four six four. They're yes. just like, nah, we're not giving you that hand time. They always put a half, and I think that's fair. I think that's fair because like some some guys would ruin the whole system. Some of these guys have run like you know like a, oh he, our cornerback ran a four two two. It's like no, he didn't. No, he didn't. So, like, I, I love that they um, that in player profile they say, you know what, run at the combine, or or we're going to penalize you for that. So, uh, you know, with this guy, I need to see speed. I need to see it because he's. I'm not. I'm not a huge, huge film guy, but obviously, I watch it because it's fun, right? And it gives it gives you an idea of who these guys are. Kincaid's the most fun, I think, out of this group to watch. Would you not agree? One hundred percent. Yeah, he's the guy you want to run. A four six five, so you can draft the hell out of him. Exactly, exactly. And if he runs that, then then you're loving it. Um, but he, this, the concern for him is the same, is the same for me as it is for Laporta. He's six four. He's two forty. He's not six six two sixty. Right. He's not six five two seventy like Gronk or, or some of these guys. So if he ends up in a tight end room, which the tight end room for the Chiefs is Travis Kelsey is here, and then everybody else is here. Right. The tight end room for some of these other teams is, OK, this is our blocking tight end. This is our pass catching tight end. This is our uh, you know special teams guy that can do either role if somebody gets hurt in those offenses where you're sitting there and you're like looking at the Buccaneers a couple of years ago with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brate. And you're looking at it and you're like, I can't do anything with any of these guys. Right. That's that's the kind of concern you have that this guy Kincaid comes out and has, and he is Cameron Brate and Cameron Brate is a guy that came out of Hartford and he's played for like ten years so it's hard to knock Cameron Brate but Cameron Brate has one fantasy relevant season and he was even then he was di- difficult to start so th- the NFL doesn't care about fantasy football this guy could have a long great career and never be relevant unless he can figure out how to be a full time guy. It's it's hard to bulk up and keep your speed, but um, you know if you're going to be 6'4 and be a full time tight end, you got to be like 250, 260. Do you, do you think Casey's looking for uh, for Kelsey's uh, next next in line? I mean, he is he is getting up there. This is a, a tight end a fruitful draft. Is that a possibility? You think, guys? I mean, I think they're always in the. I think that they run a lot of multiple tight end sets, um, and I think that they're a smart franchise. A smart franchise. So I think that them drafting one of these guys is not necessarily does not necessarily mean they're looking to have drunk um Kelsey's replacement. Um but I think, you know, if they could Even utilize that. another person, they're great. 
um, Kelsey, and then another one of these guys would make a lot of sense for what they're doing stylistically, and it saves them money because they don't have to pay a wide receiver. Yeah. I love what you said there because people don't realize that. People sit here. Nobody knows. Nobody like when I say the Chiefs are a two tight end system this year. Everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" Noah Gray played sixty percent of the snaps in virtually every game, and he had a catch in every single game from week five to the Super Bowl. This guy played in twenty games, and he had a catch in nineteen of them. Like it's a two tight end offense, right? And if you can come out, if they say, "Oh, like like Arthur Smith," you sit here and say, "Oh, we like the two tight end." Uh, of offense we're running, but we want to upgrade over Parker Hesse or we want to upgrade over Noah Gray, it would be a good spot to do that. And then, like you said, the heir apparent where they draft a guy, he's Dalton Schultz, sorry, he's, he's Dallas Goddard for a bit. And then when Zach Gertz moves on, Dallas Goddard's the guy. If I was them, I wouldn't pick a guy like Laporta or Kincaid because it doesn't complement Kelsey well. I would pick somebody like Washington or somebody that I could use in line and then later move over. But because uh, if Kincaid goes there, then he's just going to be a pure understudy. Just Imagine sitting Washington and KC with Kelsey. <laughs> I know it could happen. I mean, you can imagine some of the sets Andy Reid would design inside the red zone. It would be just, it would be frightening. One, one guy we've got it. We've got to touch on who, if we would have had this show three weeks ago, um, it's kind of like the, the Shaq meme, you know, I want to apologize. I was not familiar with your game. Is, uh, is Zach Kuntz of Old, Old Dominion, who had the number one relative athletic score in the entire combine. He's six foot eight. He was a Penn State transfer to Old Dominion. Uh, his first year at, at, at ODU, he has 73 catches. Last year, he dealt with injuries, but he goes nuts. Four, five, five, 40. He had a 10, eight broad jump, which I believe was the number one in the whole combine. Um, he's intriguing. It's kind of like a, a Mike Jacecki type athleticism, um, and that's the comp uh, in player profiler as well. Your thoughts on Kunst? Yeah, I mean, it's I've heard I've heard Kunst, I've heard Kuntz, and all I know is I hope it's Kunst because that's just way more. I was like, he, he was just jumping right into the. I, I've heard I've like, heard both. I, I see K U N T Z, <laughs> and in New York, that's how we're saying. Yeah, it. I tell you though, I'll tell you as. Uh, that would be much more fun, and I'm I'm rooting for that, right? Like yeah. this same thing with like the wide receiver booty, and then people are like, oh, it's Boutte. I'm like, no, it's booty. not a, no. I'm like not a, not in my fancy team names. But especially it's after those numbers, it's definitely booty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not on not on my fantasy team names. It's not it's not anything but booty. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. I love that, and I mean, like I did. I I, I don't have it in front of me, but his RAS cheat it was all just green right like the whole yeah. thing or was there any been any yellow on there no like, it was so all, it was the best I, you, you're ever gonna see yeah it's like like vernon davis like like, like vernon davis had the best yeah. tight end combine like ever and this guy is yeah. did it, very similar right like um that then that's the problem is that he's an absolute freakazoid and we just don't know enough about him which this guy is is the um you know if you play Devi, you're gonna have to rely on tape um, because not, not enough people like, uh, we had a buddy, uh, Dustin, uh, shout out to, to Dustin from FYF that went to the combine. And he said, if you're Anthony Richardson, there's a million microphones in your face. And if you're some, you know, uh, wide receiver, that's going to go in the sixth round, no one's even talking to you. And this was a situation where nobody even really talked to this guy until after 
and it was it was kind of too late. The tight ends were one of the last positions to go, so we didn't really get enough info on this guy. Uh, so landing spot's going to be crucial on this guy, man. If he can go, uh, if he can go to any of those wide open teams. So for me, there's two types of good landing spots, and I guess we can kind of wrap on this because I know we've we've gone overtime. But I told you, it's tight. End. You can bring me on for tight end show. We're never going to do just an hour, okay? Like it's not happening. You got to yeah. I will rank him after after this. But like, so there's two types of tight end landing spots. There's the immediate landing spot where they could be a top target right away, and then there's the long term landing spot. So if we're talking immediate landing spots, we're talking like uh, Colts, Texans. Cowboys, right? Packers, Panthers. Like, why can't you be the top two target on the Panthers? Those tight ends over there are terrible. Uh, Saints, who, you know, Juwan Johnson's walking away. And then there's the long-term ones. You mentioned one earlier with the Chargers, right? You've got aging Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams is, what is he, 28 now, right? Like, that's the spot where they they slide in there. And even if they were to keep Everett for one more year or under contract, it's the long-term that you want to be with Justin Herbert for the long-term. Think about teams like the Rams, Tyler Higby's an unrestricted free agent next year. Cooper Cup is 30. Allen Robinson's 30. Like, they're all turned 30 Like, that's the spot where you get the right player in there, then the window opens up. Now they're Mark Andrews. Now they're Darren Waller. They're the top target on the team. So uh, that's where I like for landing spots. If a guy like this goes there, I'll be interested for sure. But I need, I need teams, I need NFL scouts to agree with us. If he goes in the seventh round, then we're kind of we're kind of out, right? Like we six, seventh rounds. Gonna be tough. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like one of those. It's like the art, artificial gravitational pull. If all these tight ends go early, then you're gonna see somebody take a chance on this guy based on the. T- and he has yeah. a product, a high production season too, uh, to go with it. So he's like super, super interesting. And I want to go on the record here, JD and Dan. Old Dominion's website does not provide a clarification. So usually. I think they're leaving it up to the. Uh, to the, uh, to the ah, I love We got Theo Rattle. Princeton's, you can go for Yoshivas. You know, if you're if you want to pronounce Andre Yoshivas, they'll go Yoshivas. But this one, it's you know, depends on what part of the country you're in. Hey, so I was actually just on Old Dominion's website. I have to drop. I have to name drop a player right now. My deep, my uh, my new deep guy besides Eli Wolf. I know you saw the tweet. This guy Stone Smart. Oh, yeah. He's got he's got every tight end meme, right? He was a like all metro basketball player, played quarterback in high school, converted to wide receiver at Old Dominion, and then they switched him to tight end for college. Uh, I was on their website, uh, kind of checking this guy out, and I found the best piece of information on Stone Smart. Are you guys ready for this? On top of all those other memes, his middle name is Cole. Stone Cole Smart, dude. I nice. that had to be on purpose, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. <laughs> Stone cold smart. And if they do cut Gerald Everett, he might be the best athlete. He's the most athletic tight end on that Chargers team right now. So very only super deep taxi league leagues. You do even think about Stone smart, but I have to get the name out there because I want this to be a complete tight end show. We don't want to leave any stone unturned. Appreciate that guys. Shout out. Uh, doing deep in the go district. Rank the tight ends here, Andrew. If you were if you were drafting the NFL draft, you don't you don't have to um, you don't have to go give us you know you can go top five, you can go top three, however you want to handle this. Yeah. So since we're doing it before the draft and we don't have any landing spot involved, then I'm I'm just going pure upside, which people are gonna hate it. I I hope 
I, I hope they clip it and they they say, oh, Coop doesn't have him as his top guy or this guy's top guy. But, like, I'm not going to have Michael Mayer as my top guy, and I'm not even going to have him probably in the top, like, three. Because I want pure upside, right? So if we're ranking them for NFL and who's going to have the best NFL career, I might have Michael Mayer one, right? Mercedes Lewis has had a tremendous career as a blocking tight end that at one point was fantasy relevant but hasn't particularly been in recent years. Like, that could be him. For me, Dalton Kincaid is the one that is the most fun. Uh, we're picturing his pro day to be awesome. We haven't seen it yet. And he is he looks the most polished to me. So right now I have Kincaid at one. Uh, at two, I would put uh, I would put Musgrave. Just because he has the pedigree, all the scouts I've talked to that have talked to him, that are close to him, uh, especially Brandon Huffman, love this guy. They think that this guy has what it takes. So I'm putting him at at three. I would put, sorry, at two. I would put Sam Laporta at three just because he's got the athleticism and everything I like to see. The upside for Laporta is higher than a lot of these other guys, a lot higher than Mayer, simply because he can break off. If you can get in that four or five range, you can break off 50, 60, 70 yard touchdowns, which Michael Mayer is just never going to do that. There's too many guys that are faster than him on the field. It's just, it's not going to happen. So, uh, and then while we're going for upside, I'll I'll take the upside of Darnell Washington. I know he has the lowest floor, but, it, you know, his upside is amazing. So, for me, I'm putting Mayer next. Now, when we get the draft capital and Mayer goes, like, 11 overall, and these other guys end up in the second round, I'll move Mayer way up. Because then I'll have the proof from the scouts of them saying, hey, we this is the guy, right? But for now, I'm, I I like upside. I need guys that are going to actually have top five fantasy football upside. So I'm putting him, I'm putting him after all these guys that are just much faster. They're just you know much much more aggressive. And then of course, uh, I just wanted to say cunts one more time so he would be next. <laughs> I, love <it. laughs> oh, I love it. I love it, yeah. man. There you there you have it, guys. Andrew's shocking top five rookie tight end. <sighs> Uh, yes. From from this class, I mean, what a fun tight end class, right? Who I, I don't remember being this excited for rookie tight ends, and and who better to have than for Andrew Cooper to join us on a Friday afternoon, dive deep into free agency, and then glide through these freakishly awesome tight ends. Hopefully, you guys got a ton out of this. Andrew, remind the people where they can find all your amazing content, what you have either dropped recently. We talked about the articles. Remind them about that, and then if you have anything special coming up. Absolutely, guys. I mean, uh, just hey, everybody out there in the tight end world, uh, do us a favor. Pray for all the good landing spots to stay open for all these amazing rookies, right? <laughs> let's let's take Austin Hooper and, and and Dalton Schultz, fill all the blocking roles. Somebody please go to the Falcons so that the Falcons don't draft uh, one of these guys. Um, and, and that's the first thing we're doing. The second thing we're doing, go over to Fantasy Alarm. That's where all my written content lives. Got a full series that'll get you ready for free agency and the draft, honestly, because it goes through every position uh, for every team and tells you what's locked up, what's open, where where the good landing spots are, where the bad ones are. Uh, so check that out. I also do the Lightning Round podcast over there. And then for my video content, if you enjoy stuff like this, like we're doing today, maybe a little more silliness, which we, we do get a little crazy, the Front Yard Fantasy Morning Show, every day, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Better Sports Network. Or you can just search Front Yard Fantasy on YouTube, check out the shorts, check out the old clips. Uh, the best way to decide if you want to watch the show is check out the shorts and see if, if you think any of that's funny or not, and then you might want to watch. But that's what I do every morning, 7 to 10 a.m. weekdays. And uh, I just want to say, guys, 
thank you so much for having me on. I know we we do this every year, so twice a year. I would like to do it even more, uh, but just to come on and talk real, pure, deep dive fantasy football, dynasty, best ball, redraft, doesn't get any better, especially when it's tight ends, boys. So thanks for having me on, man. And we we will, right, guys? We're, we're going to get you back, Andrew, after the draft once we have uh, teams yes. for these guys. Uh, once this free agency clears up and we've got landing spots for, for a lot of the guys we talked about tonight, hopefully you guys got a lot out of this. Like, uh, like our friend Dave said, a, a content-rich show today. So I, I think a very important one, like I said, whether you're doing best balls, tight end premium, dynasty, or redraft, this is definitely a show you're going to want to go back, take some notes. Andrew brought the fire, guys. Uh, a big one today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Theo, what do we have coming up? I know uh, and, or Andrew, Kevin and I are going to be doing a ball in live this Sunday. We're going to be doing a $35 super flex, never too early. If you guys want to sign up, there's still a bit of room. Number 51377. Go to myffpc.com. If you're not already signed up, use the code GOAT. I just got confirmation live breaking news right now. We do have the code GOAT when you sign up on myffpc.com when you're checking out. It'll give you a $25 credit that you can use even towards a $35 entry. So it'll literally cost you 10 bucks to get into a tournament where you can win $5,000, guys. This is a no-brainer. Go check it out, myffpc.com. They got Dynasty Orphans. They've got all kinds of stuff popping right now. Guys, today was a blast. Theo, what do we have coming up, man? What do we have in the pipeline? Uh, it looks like Tuesday we're going to be doing a rookie mock draft um, with with Memphis Young uh, from the War Zone and maybe one more guest. And we have a few more guests uh, all lined up uh, as well. We, we're going to have uh, some fun shows heading into the uh, the NFL draft. And you know this is a good one because Theo threatened us with leaving at, at uh, you know, the, the 1 o'clock mark or 12 o'clock mark. With I, 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 listen, <laughs> I, have, I do have something at one thirty. I I, I, I <laughs> I do have something in five minutes, but uh, yeah, this was uh, this is always a really fun one, man. I love you talking can, about the rookie You can blame JetBlue for the late start on this one. Yeah. Sorry about that. There you go. Then I joke that Theo is my new sibling. I don't have any siblings, but I, I see him on here. I, I see him in our DMs. I see him as soon as I turn on YouTube. He's Theo's everywhere, man, but we yeah. love it. And we congratulate you, Theo. You're crushing it at, at Player Profiler. We're happy that you're sticking with us. Uh, and, and just to keep crushing it, man, because you're doing awesome. Andrew, you crush it today. Dan, we're so glad to have you back. Guys, enjoy the offseason. Enjoy your drafts. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex, then they text you back. Now all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be trading. Trading. And I'll always be trading. Trading. And I'll always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.